Amen. Good afternoon. How are you? Welcome everybody that's watching online. We just welcome you to Noonday Prayer. And uh, you know, a lot of what we've been doing has been teaching and then prayer. A lot of things, a lot of people don't realize that prayer is supposed to be pointed and powerful. It doesn't have to be long. Remember Jesus even talked about doing your long prayers and showing. But what we're doing is we're coming to the place of agreement through teaching in the word. We're agreeing on the word and then we're praying those things that we see. So yes, it's noonday prayer, but we want to first come into agreement. Plus he's building us during these times too, as to how, you know, we're talking about uh, moving into the kickstart conference, which will be Kickstart 18, and that'll be February 5th through the 9th, Monday through Friday at 6.30. Then we'll have a big blowout, giving away a $1,000 uh, gift and prize on Sunday morning and a baptism service on the 11th. It's going to be awesome, right? So, But part of the reason why we're having that conference is we want to kickstart our year into all godliness. Well, part of the things that we're going over, hunger, humility, thanksgiving, praise, it's all about putting this year, 2018, on the right foundation. Or you may be watching this later on. You may be watching this in 2020, but it's about making your year and making your life set on the right foundation. So we're talking again today about humility and let's just pray. Father, right now, we just thank you so much. Lord, open up our eyes to the word. Thank you, Father, for it. Open up our eyes to it, Lord. Father, let us then be strengthened with all your might to walk it out. Not just talk about it, not just know it, but be a doer of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Bombi Bayati Tijis to Kalamo, Kalamo ke Hera Kafrata Rabasi Vish, Voshonda Amachi Kochista Namomba. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's my understanding that my wife gets to watch today, so hello, I love you. And um, had a good conversation with her a few minutes ago. Uh, we have good conversations on a regular basis, but we happen to have one just a few minutes ago. And uh, I love you, and I hope you're having a good one. And if she's watching, I think my son is with her today. So, hey, Luke, love you, and uh, glory to God. So, let's turn again to James chapter 4. And this passage that we're reading is not the only one on humility, but it's the one that I want us to look at. I want you to see the benefits of humility just in this passage. So let's just list them out. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humility, the very first thing that humility does is it doesn't just give us grace. It gives us, it leads us to the places of greater grace, right? So humility moves us to grace and greater grace. And then it says, submit therefore to God or be humble to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. So humility leads us to the place where the devil actually listens when we say go. Right. And so that's two. Number one, greater grace. Number two, the devil will flee from you. Right. Isn't this the way it's supposed to be working? 
You know, a lot of times we're like, God, tell the devil to go. And God's like, I told you to tell the devil to go. But it works in humility. It might not work if you're outside of humility and in pride. And this is what we talked about yesterday is, are we in pride more than we know? Uh, yes. Yes, we are. All right. So that's what we're changing. Amen. We're changing it. Glory to God. All right. And then uh, verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humility produces a closeness. Humility will say, I need to come closer to God, right? Humility will say that. And then all of a sudden what happens is he draws near to us. So number one, it gives us grace and greater grace. The devil will flee from us, right? God will be near us. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's a cleansing that happens through humility, be miserable and mourn and weep. Let, let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Uh, humility helps us to drop the stuff of the world that doesn't matter. That's what it's talking about. In other words, we're, we stop finding our pleasure in the worldliness and worldly things and we start finding it where we should. The joy of the Lord will be full in us when we make him our joy. And then humble yourselves and he will exalt you. So he'll exalt you. Look at those things that humility brings in your life. Doesn't that all of a sudden we go, golly, I should have been going after humility a long time ago, right? I mean, this is, this is a great thing. In Proverbs, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 22, 4, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord or the reverence of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. So there's more riches, honor and life, which we always know when it says life, it's life to the full till it overflows. Uh, Proverbs 29, an angry man stirs up strife and a hot tempered man abounds in transgression. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. In other words, a humble will, it'll exalt you. It'll lift you up. Like it said over in James, it will not keep you low. Humility, you, you can't be humble and stay low. Amen. You can't be humble and stay low according to the God, because if you are truly humble, God will lift you up. He will set you high. He will exalt you. There's a promise, James. And then here again in Proverbs. And see, there's a lot of people that think that they're being humble by saying, oh, I'm just such a dirty wretch, a sinner like me. How does God even look at me or accept me? Right. Like that. And they're low. And you know what? They can stay there their whole life. They here's why. Because that's not humility. That's false humility. Because humility ultimately is humbling ourselves to the character nature of God and his word. Right. And so if I go in there, I don't find that I'm a filth. My, my uh, righteousness now is filthy rags. It was like that before. And if I tried to do it by myself, but now I'm a new creation in Christ. If you're a believer, you're a new creation in Christ. You are not some poor, pitiful soul. You are mighty in him. You're walking around as the body of Christ. That's humility. 
So you've seen people that would be, you know, oh, I'm so awful, I'm so horrible. And they, they'll stay there all their life. And they'll think, well, why doesn't God exalt me? Because you're actually not humbling yourself to the word. You're humbling yourself to a thought that man had that sounded good, but it's not actually true. Truth will bring you to freedom. All right, then Proverbs 18, 10, and 12 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is a strong city and like a high wall in his own imagination. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. Look how humility and honor are tied together so many times. And let me ask you this question. It, when you think about the Lord and you think about Jesus, you think about the Holy Spirit, do you think honor, right? We should if we know anything about him. He is honorable, right? And aren't we supposed to be living like him and becoming more and more like him? In other words, we need to be moving to honor. Humility and honor go hand in hand. This is something that uh, our world today uh, just really doesn't partake in as much as it should is a reverence and an honor, right? Uh, this one of the things we uh, in Impact University, we just finished a book on character called Character Matters by Dr. Mark Rutland. Awesome book. I recommend it to anybody. It is a great book. One of the most balanced books and powerful books on character I've ever, well, it is on character I've ever read. So good. So good. And uh, one of the things they talked about in there was reverence. And they said in reverence is we've come into an age where we don't revere anything, nothing sacred to us. And matter of fact, our world will boast when it crosses lines and it says nothing was nothing was sacred in this movie. Everything was you know able to talk bad about and not reverence anything. That's a lack of character. This goes along with humility and honor. We need to be the kind of people where we do have a line. It's not necessarily against the law for us to cross it, but it's against the law of humility. It's against the law of honor. It's against the law of reverence. And that goes with us. There's certain things that shouldn't be done, right? And this ultimately, what I'm thinking about is when they were uh, the money changers in the temple. They crossed a line they shouldn't cross. Now, according to their law, they were legal, right? That's why they were allowed there. But Jesus was saying, you crossed a line. You didn't humble yourself to the heart of God about this place, right? You crossed a line. This is also goes back to, you know, the holy and the profane, profane being common, drawing holy things down to a common, uh, common area. All of this works together. Humility, though, we look at all of this and we look at what humility does. Let's list them out one more time. It says this, it says God uh, gives grace and greater grace, right? The devil will flee from us. God will draw near to us. Uh, it will help us put off worldliness and turn to the Lord. He will exalt us. In Proverbs, it says riches, honor, and life. Riches, honor, and life. And then the other scriptures talk about honor too. Eight benefits to humility just out of these few scriptures. I bet if I studied it out, you know, and took a lot of time, I could find a lot more. But these these cover a lot of great areas simply on humility. So 
One of the things we've said every day is pride buries potential, humility multiplies potential, right? And so we want to move into these places where uh, humility will start to uh, exalt us, not for our sake, but for God's sake. We want to move into these places where we believe these promises and we're moving because not just because it gets us there, but because this is who God is. This is who God is. He's humble. He's honorable, right? And he desires to exalt you. He desires to get his light on you and that you might be glorified in his light. Because when you go to a place of humility and you step into the place where they start telling you, thank you, stuff like that. Oh, you're so awesome. You go, I'm awesome because Jesus is awesome. If I'm awesome, it only comes from him. That's humility that understands where it came from. And if we'll carry that humility, think about what God wants to do in second uh, Chronicles 16, nine, I believe it is where it says he's looking for people whose heart is pure towards him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. Right. This is the plan of God. It's all throughout the Bible. He wants you to succeed, but our heart needs to get right. Our heart needs to be humble so that he can honor us and exalt us. So looking at these again, uh, these these uh, graphics that I drew out yesterday, I definitely wanted to leave them on here because they're important. You see, just to explain them real quickly, if this is this inner circle here is you and everything that you know, right, then does God exist in what you know? Yes, he does. But does he only exist there? No, 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 no. Most definitely God is far beyond what you know. And here's the thing, because he loves you, he always is drawing you to himself. He's always increasing us. Remember, he doesn't like it when we take talents, when we take potential and bury it. That's not, that's not the way the kingdom operates. He's always drawing us to him. He wants you to grow. He wants to, you to study to show yourself approved. But here's the thing. This line of what you know, right, also represents your comfort zone because we're only comfortable with what we know, right? And all of a sudden we start moving beyond what we know and we're like, I'm in the land I've not been before. And so that's where we humble ourselves to God and let him grow us. Think about how many people, think about growth. Think about their ability. Let's say that somebody just gets born again, right? All they've heard about is that Jesus died for them. All they've heard about is that Jesus died for them and he was on the cross in the grave and now uh, they believe and they'll be saved and go to heaven, right? Now think about that same person. Have they heard about healing? Not yet. Have they heard, have they heard about uh, prosperity? Not yet, right? Have they heard about protection? Have they heard about restoration? Have they heard about deliverance? No. So there's, there's five other areas that God, that's a part of the salvation package that God needs to take them to. But in other words, they don't know about it at the beginning. At the beginning, God wants to take them so that they can partake in that. But if they first hear about, what do you mean God's, God will heal me? What do you mean? Like your arm that's broke, God will fix that. Yeah. What? What? No, he won't. Yes, he will. Now, see, pride would say, no, he won't do that. Humility as a child with faith would say, what, really? He will? Man, he 
it's even more awesome than I think. And which one describes how the Bible says we should be? The one that's like a child, right? Understanding the good things of God. That what are you really doing? You're humbling yourself to the character and nature and promises of God. But each one of those and everything, think about the baby Christians we would have if you didn't humble yourself to the character and nature and promises of God in the word. Think about that. Think about what babies we would have. And the truth is, we do. Because a lot of times, as soon as it bumps up against what we know, boing, 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 we're like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't accept that. I can't accept that doctrine. And that's a lot of times what the church is fighting is not the devil on the outside. It's people that won't humble themselves to what's already in this word. That's one of the biggest fights that happens because if they won't move on into the full demonstration and the manifestation of who God is, the world doesn't really have a whole lot for them to see. You're asking the world that does not have love yet to love something for no reason. They don't have love. Why would they be motivated by it? But see, this is what God did and this is what Jesus did. He came in and he said, yep, healed, healed, healed. I'm going to preach a good message, but he started healing people. It got their attention. They started lining roads that they knew he would go by. Why? This is the power of God demonstration. That manifestation, that gets the world's attention. And then we can tell them how all this works with the love of God and how much God loves them. Right. So humility plays a part. One of the biggest things that happens in the world is this in the church is that we're constantly trying to get people to just receive what God's already done. But because we haven't been humble, because we haven't been humble, all of a sudden we have a problem moving beyond that and moving into demonstration. And therefore, we're not evangelizing the world like we should. But didn't God say That these signs will follow those that believe. Not the pastors, apostles, evangelists, prophets, right? He didn't say just five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He didn't just say them. He said these will follow those that believe. And so one of the biggest struggles in America today has been people being humble enough To go beyond what they think they know and let God pull them into the great things that he has in his word. So can you see the gap there and can you see the roadblock that's in that place? Well, then the other thing that we talked about was this is if we talked about where do most people exist, right? And then we said if talking about things done godly or not done godly, worldly or God's good, right? We talked about that. And so we said, and we talked about uh, also what's good. We talked about the fact that good is relevant. In other words, what might be good to you might be stinky to somebody else, or it might be awesome to somebody else. How we rate good should be rated according to the word. It should be rated according to the Bible. The only thing we should call good is what God calls good. Remember, it says in the last days, it says good will be called bad and bad, you know, good, evil and evil, good. Right. And we're seeing that we're seeing that today, you know, for goodness sakes, don't go harm the owl living in this tree. But it's okay to kill babies. Evil, complete evil, murder. 
murder. Murder. And we're, and we're given legal right to do it in this country. That's evil. That's evil, right? And so, but yet the animal that we're supposed to have dominion over, they'll throw you in jail, in prison, felony. But yet it's completely legal to go and murder a baby. See, that's a flip-flop. In other words, good is relative as to who's saying it and who's making the rules, so to speak. And we've got to make sure that as believers, our good lines up with God's good. We have no, that's, we should not see as having ourselves any other option now. And, and I just want to say that anytime I talk about abortion, one of the things that uh, comes up is you've got some people who did that and they did not know the fullness of what they were doing. They were deceived by the things and they're, you know, and this is one of the outcomes and symptoms of abortion. It's not just the baby that gets harmed. It's also the mother and the father because now they're living with that choice the rest of their lives. And I just want to tell you, if you found yourself in that situation and you need help, you contact us. We will get you in touch with people that will help and bring healing to you. God knows, you know, you might know that you messed up and God might have seen that too. But I'm telling you this, he loves you more than that one mistake. He loves you more and he will help you. If you're on the fence with it, definitely don't make that bad choice. That's not something you want to live with. But if you found yourself in the the past have already lived with that, God will bring healing to your life and you can receive some freedom in your mind and in your heart. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So one of the things that we start to do is we looking at good. We, we said this, we said, all right, out of a hundred percent of our actions and thoughts in, uh, we'll say, uh, the church is what this is in the church. What percentage is godly and what percentage is missing. And I gave, uh, Nicole and I have talked about this, in our estimate from pastoring, our estimate is most people in the church going after God, at least on some level, decent level, they do about 80% right and about 20% they miss it. Now see, if I'm hearing that, if I'm hearing that and I go to church, I'm going, I'm not going, I disagree with that, Pastor Brian. Um, if, here's what humility says. Really? That's your thought on that? I wonder how much it would be for me and what areas do I have in my life? See, pride says, no, you're wrong. I, I'm, I do much more godly than that. That's pride. Humility says, wow, he thinks that and I'm being serious about those figures. I'm, I've thought this out. I've prayed over them before I ever say it here. I'm praying over them. I'm singing. That's my estimation for your average churchgoer in a church that's doing something. Not just, not just a church that's, you know, just checking the box, right? A church that's doing something, that's my estimation. Humility, being humble, says, man, I wonder where I fit. And Lord, show me any areas where I'm missing it. That's what humility does. And now you can have the grace and the empowerment of the Lord to rise you up. So one of the things is, one of the things that I said was, but here's the, here's the issue. Most people, they, most people I've found, they have a little bit in their life that they're okay with doing wrong, right? It's, it's a little bit, like telling a white lie or, you know, taking a paperclip from work when they, you know, that's work's paperclip. You know, little stuff like that. They've justified it's okay. Uh, maybe not, you know, rounding, rounding to the next dollar on their taxes in a way that it benefits them. They've justified doing stuff like that. Let me, let me tell you this. Here's the thing, when you make even the smallest thing, 
common in your life, that's a piece where you can't get God in there. You're not you're going to have a hard time. This is what the this is what the Lord spoke to me years ago when we started moving into ministry. But I don't believe this is just for a minister. This is for every believer, because he didn't just tell ministers, right, to go and sin, not basically throughout the council of the word. He told every believer to walk that way. Right. And so this is what the Lord spoke to me directly. He said, you, I want you to live your life in such a way. I want you to live your life in such a way that the devil himself could go through your life with a fine tooth comb and not find anything uh, to blame you over or to accuse you over. And that stuck with me all these years because when I come up to an area that I find, oh, you know, and the Holy Spirit kind of shines a light on it, you know, like, hey, uh, Brian, you got that little, that little thing right there, right? You got that little, and, and I remember that thought. The devil himself should not be able to go through my life and find something that he can accuse me of. It helps empower me to, all right, I'm putting this down. I'm going to humble myself. So what I found is most people, and I was like this at one point too. Now I, I deal with it as soon as I see it. But I found that they're okay with a few small things at the very least. But the rest of the stuff that is not godly in their lives, the rest of the stuff they're unaware of. They think, like this section, they think it's okay. They think it's okay. They think they're doing godly. I've literally had conversations with people in church who were in outright racism and they think they're okay. I've had people that were outright stealing and they think they're okay. I've heard them just cuss like a storm and then be like, you know, God knows who I am. I'd rather be real. And they think that that's okay. Right. And and what they're doing, they think that somehow it's justified in that and it's not. And so my point was most people, if they were doing this much wrong and they knew it was wrong, but they kept doing it anyway, you're basically looking at a psychopath. Most people, when I've gone through counseling and helping people, you know, see the word, most people don't realize what they're doing is wrong. And that's why it's so important for us to go back to the word. I just had, oh my goodness. I just had a conversation a couple of days ago with somebody about a major denomination, not a, not a church, not a person, the whole denomination, right? And they are allowing in, they are start, they've started to allow, and they're in uproar. It's like fracturing if they don't do something about it. But they've started allowing in basically homosexuals into their, uh, as a ministers, right? Look, it is very clear. And this book is not an antique. And it's not antiquated. It's not out of date. This is the Lord. He changes not. And he spoke these things by the Holy Spirit. Now look, God, I'm telling you, he loves everybody. He, won't, he said God so loved the world, right? But you're not going to help them by telling them that what he said was obvious sin is okay. That helps nobody. All that does is further the bondage and then spreads it to other folks. And whether, you know, you, most people think that today that that's a choice. It's not. It's a choice. To, I mean, you, you don't have a choice. It's a choice. You either choose to do, humble yourself to what the Lord said, or you humble yourself to what the world says. It's one or the other. But I'm talking about a major denomination. This is why it becomes so important 
for us to go to this word. And it's the same thing. I'm, look, I'm hitting all the hot topics, abortion, homosexuality today. But it's the same thing with abortion, right? If you found yourself in that area, there is hope. You know, do you realize uh, the suicide rate uh, in people with a, a alternate lifestyle is high? It's higher than other, other places. Why? Because it is a sin. And now you're pretending it's not. Pride goes before a fall. These, the wages of sin is death. It's, that's the way it works. You're not going to get around that. You just have to say, okay, am I going to humble myself to the Lord or not? And what many people find is when they decide, okay, I'm going to humble myself to the Lord. They step out of that place and they're like, oh. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free again. And they, they start getting healed. They have that restoration. It's the same way with, with every kind of sin. But see, the church likes to, you know, those are some big issues in today. But at the same time, it matters the same way when you tell a lie on your taxes. It matters the same way when you have offense with your brother or sister in the church. That's just as big, just as big. You know, so a lot of times in the church, we were very hypocritical or we've been hypocritical because we've been okay with being offended at the person sitting on the other side of the, the sanctuary, but we're not okay with somebody killing a baby or being homosexual. It's like that is so hypocritical, right? And that comes back to humility. Humility is the only thing. What I was saying is most people think that they're doing okay. Even even talking about, you know, alternate lifestyles, most people think and they found people, right, that will tell them what they want to hear to match up with their theology and doctrine instead of going back to the word. Most people, they think that it's justified. And I've found that the majority of people messing up, they think that those things are justified. They're not psychopathic. They're just deceived. I'm talking about the average churchgoer. But here's the problem with that. Number one, this guy is the guy of the world who's looking for some answers. And so he looks at your average churchgoer. He sees this section that he knows that's not right. Everybody knows it except for the one who's doing it. And all he sees is a hypocrite. What kind of witness now is that? And it's completely from a lack of humility. The other thing is, this area, what's going to happen to this area if it goes unchecked? It will continue to grow. That deception will go into more and more things. Let me give you an example of this. One time, uh, there was a guy, there was a preacher, and uh, he messed up. And one of the things that I, I really don't like seeing is I don't like seeing when somebody is in a spotlight for the kingdom of God that then messes up because it really hurts a lot of people. And I, I saw this guy and I had some mercy on him, but at the same time, this guy was in a, a world spotlight and all of a sudden he messes up, right? And I was like, oh man, and I was having mercy, but at the same time I was being real about this, look, We've got a responsibility. You know, I, I've been, uh, I'm a guy just like any other man on this earth. I have temptations that I have to stop and put down. And I'll tell you, one of the things that comes to my mind helps me put down temptations is I don't want to be that guy, right? It motivates me to do what's right. I don't want to hurt the kingdom in that way. But here I was, I was getting upset and I was getting a little overly upset with it. And the Holy Ghost said this to me. He said, do you realize 
that you're just one small. He, he highlighted. Do you realize you're one small decision from being that guy? And I went, man, that was a major sin that most people count if you're counting them as major or minor, which doesn't really count. But if you're counting, most people think it was a major deal. He said, do you realize that you're just one small decision from being that guy if it weren't for my mercy? And I went, oh, wow, man, you think about it because one small deception leads to another. Have you ever done something wrong? And then once you got to that wrong place, you went, well, I'm already messed up. I might as well do something else wrong. And that's how it works. And so say this way is, you know, the way of God. And all of a sudden I'm going and I make a small deviation. You know, I make a small deviation. Well, now I'm already there. If I made another small deviation, it does it another in degrees, right? Then another small and those deceptions lead to one another. And before I know it, I'm going the complete opposite way. And they were all small deceptions. And all of a sudden I would get over here and go, how in the world did I get over here at this big, large sin? And it all started right back over here where I was okay with one or I didn't check myself. I didn't check myself. This comes back to humility. So here's the question, though. If I think that I'm okay, but I still have this much in my life that's wrong and ungodly, if I think I have that much that's wrong and ungodly, then here's the thing. I think I'm doing right. How do I find out that I'm actually missing it? The only answer to that is the opposite of pride. It's humility. Saying, you know what? I recognize I have a flesh. I recognize it. I have a flesh. And I recognize that I can miss it. I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I'm going after him. I don't want to mess up. I'm not confessing that I'll mess up. But I recognize that I have. I, I recognize that I still don't know everything God knows. The word says you see through a glass darkly. So I recognize that what I know is not what God knows. That means I probably still have a very good potential for some deception anywhere. So I'm willing to say, Lord, I realize that I probably have messed up. And I realize I probably right now don't have everything right. Here's how the Holy Spirit uh, said it to me one time. He said, he said, think back uh, five years ago. I said, OK, I started. He said, think about where you were at and what you were doing. He said, five years ago, did you think you knew what you were talking about? I said, mm hmm. I was like, I don't think I'm going to like where the rest of this conversation is going, Lord, but all right. And uh, he said, did you think you knew what you were talking about? Mm hmm. Yep, I did. I, I was sold on it. Right. He said, did you? Did you know? I was like, nope, <laughs> I sure didn't. I was missing a lot more. There's a whole bunch of stuff I didn't know. And he said, all right, five years before that, he said, did you think you know then? I said, uh, yeah. He said, did you? I was like, mm, not even close. He said five years. He kept doing this for a while. And I was like, OK, all right, all right. And uh, he said, now, here's the question. Do you think you know what you're talking about right now? I said, yeah. I said, or else I wouldn't be preaching it. You know, by this time I'm preaching. And uh, he said, he said, but do you? I said, probably not. 
And that's humility that understands that I'm still growing. We are still growing. We are still growing. Glory to God that he is so merciful to help us. And see, even if somebody is dealing with alternate lifestyles or they're dealing with offense or everything. Listen, there is hope for us in the mercy and the grace of God. But you only get to that place of freedom through humility. Without humility, I'll never be able to see the light. See, if I keep thinking that I'm right, that's pride. That just makes my ungodliness grow deeper. But if I will allow humility through humility to let the Holy Spirit shine his light on me, it'll start to highlight some of these areas that I've been missing. And then all of a sudden, what can I do? I can work on them. All of a sudden, what I didn't realize was I had a cap. By my own pride on my life, I, there was a cap there and I couldn't even see that the ceiling was there. It was a glass ceiling. I'm looking up. I think the world is mine. I can take everything. But what I didn't realize was every time I try to grow, there's going to be a stopping point. The only way to see that is to humble myself and say, I'm not everything I think I am. Lord, I humble myself before you. Everything that's good in me, Father, it's you. Anything that's messing up, that's, that was the, the real brine before Jesus came. That was the flesh brine. I recognize it. If, if it goes, I heard somebody recently say, everything that happens good in the church, that is God. Let's praise Jesus. And everything that happens bad, that's me, right, as a pastor. And, and it is true, right? If we miss it, that's me, right? But if it goes good, it's God. When you understand that, that's humility. All of a sudden, you shatter the glass ceiling and you can grow up. More. So every time we get humble and we actually find areas in our life that are wrong, what we just did was we just increased the ability and potential that we can grow to. We just increased. Let's turn uh, to First uh, John chapter 1. I just want to show you this because we've referenced it multiple times now. Nope. I was like, that's not the scripture, but that was in Peter. First John chapter one and verse six. First John chapter one, verse six says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Now, I want, you, I want you to see something. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. You see what we're doing? We're not actually taking action in truth. We might be taking action, but there's a, there's a participation with the truth of our new identity in Christ. And we practice, we put on in practice and in action who we are or we don't. So either we practice truth or we don't practice truth. It doesn't change our identity in God, but it may cause us problems or it may help us depending on which thing we do. If we practice truth, that means that we actually take action that's not walking in darkness. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Glory to God. There's hope for all of us. Every single one of us have been dealing with a sin issue, right? 
We've all had to deal with it in our lives. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what God's wanting to get to us. He wants us to get this mess out so that he can get his glory on us, right? And bring up the glory on you the way it was in the garden where the glory covered them. They weren't naked because they were covered in the glory of God. He wants us to get to that place where the glory of God rests and rides on us everywhere that we go. That's the plan. And that's not just for pastors. It's for everybody. He wants his glory to be on you. Glory to God. But then he says this, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. All right. So now if, if you look at these scriptures, it's really talking about sin in the past present and future tenses. Verse 10 is the past. He says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. All right. So that's past sin. All right. It's in the past. Uh, let's move on from here. But then you say, if we uh, sin in the future, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? To cleanse us. So if we find ourselves uh, sinning in the future, we have the ability to repent. You know, if we don't, if we don't remember, this is by faith. So, in other words, if we don't have a heart change, our conscience will uh, break our faith, so to speak. All of a sudden, so if we don't have an actual heart change, we're just sorry we got caught then we're not going to receive this forgiveness like this on these issues. They're still going to haunt us and bother us. But if we'll have heart change, now we can believe God for his uh, forgiveness and we'll walk in that. But then you see verse 8. This is the one that says, if we say that we have no sin. Now, here's the thing. Weren't all of our sins already covered? Yep. Aren't we made the righteousness of God in Christ? So for me to say, I have sin, it kind of goes against my identity, right? It's not talking here about who you are in the spirit. It's talking about the condition of the flesh. In other words, if you are saying that I don't have the ability to sin, I don't have that potential within me, then you are already deceived and you are already in trouble. And that's, that's the verse that I've referenced several times. You're already missing it. And this, this uh, area that you don't even see there, because you're not looking at, oh, I don't have any sin. All I have is good stuff with God. You're already sunk. It's just a matter of time unless you repent before uh, you know, the trap springs, basically. You want to stay in that place of humility. Um, hmm. Do y'all wonder what I think when I do that kind of stuff? <laughs> so I, another thing that the Lord said to me, and I'll come back to that in a second. The Lord brought up something today. I didn't realize it was going to be a part of this. Here's what the Lord said to me now, and this is the question that we should ask, is where are we now? Where are you right now? Where am I right now? Am I, you know, 80%, 20%? Have I closed that gap some? Will it continue to close without humility? No. But if I'll keep humility on me, if I'll keep humility on me, I can continue to close that gap, grow up more and more into the fullness of the stature of Christ, 
And I can get and receive and walk in more and more of his glory. That's available for anybody, anybody, even if they're not born again right now, they can get born again and start walking in that. That, but all it is is just walking in humility. Humility will open up those doors, right? So now, this is what the Lord, um, gracious, we get into these and the Holy Spirit starts flowing. And then, and so anyway, let me tell you this last thing and then we're going to pray. I wanted to cover so much more today. Um, but what is today, Thursday? Oh, man. We've been, this will, I'm definitely doing humility tomorrow. That's going to be part four. It's supposed to be like a one or two day thing. Anyway, um, so then here's uh, one of the things that the Lord said to me. I'm trying to think how to say this. So not too long ago, I started going into uh, a couple of meetings uh, and they were close in proximity of time and I stepped into those meetings and I kept having these strangers come up to me and say God God just wants to tell you this and it was the same word and it was in multiple cities multiple meetings God is so pleased with you talking to me well thank you I mean I had been this was during the fasting and prayer time but I knew it wasn't talking about that I mean that's a part of it but I went they said, God is so pleased with you. And I literally, I had a conversation with the Lord because I said, and, and it probably, I probably got that word six times by different people within a matter of three or four months. So obviously the Lord is doing something. But here's the thing. I was trying to, I, I had recognized some of these areas and was in the middle of putting them down and struggling with it. I was having a hard time, honestly. I was having a hard time. With some of that stuff. And, and I was like, I see it. I don't want to do it. The, you know, I felt like Paul. But the thing I hate, I do. And, you know, like, oh, wretched man that I am. This is the way I was kind of feeling in those moments, you know. And I'm trying to clean this up. But it's just not going the way I want it to go, you know. And, and so, and then I got God here going, I'm pleased with you. And so I had a conversation with the Lord. And I said, I said, Lord, I said, I, I don't understand I said, and this is just, I'm just being really honest. I said, I don't understand how you can be pleased with me. I mean, y'all may see that as a silly statement, but I, I just, I, it was honest. It was, I, Lord, I don't see how you can be pleased with me, right? And I said, show me, I, I don't understand how you can say that. Like, I'm having a hard time digesting that word because my mind is not, you know, I, I see the things that I struggle with and I haven't wrapped up fully yet. And I, I see those things and, and I'm, I'm working on it. You know, I, I know that, but I don't, I don't understand. Help me to understand. So turn to Acts chapter 13. One of my favorite verses, 13.22. Acts 13.22. This is what, if Jesus tarries and we're not in the rapture and I pass on from this earth, I want this as the testimony that God and men can say about me. This is, this is my heart. 
He said, after he had removed them, God raised up David to be their king, concerning whom also he testified. And he said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Now, and so the Lord brought that scripture up to me. I said, you remember, my question is, how can you be pleased with me? I still got mess. I'm not, you know. I don't, I'm not walking around with a glory cloud, you know, yet there's not people that have up to this point, I'm believing it any day, but there's not people that just get healed as I pass by, right? So I'm, I'm, I've got mess that I'm trying to clean up. How can you be pleased with me? He brought that scripture up. He said, and then I'll just give it to you. I'm going to paraphrase what he communicated to me. He said, how was David's life? Was it clean or messy? I said, it was messy. He said, how did he respond? How did David respond? Look at the testimony I have about him. How did David respond when he was confronted with his mess? He hit his knees. His heart was to immediately change and go after God. He humbled himself in front of God. And the Lord said, that's why I'm pleased with you. It's not because you got it all right. It's because your heart is after me. That's the issue. You, you, you aggressively deal with areas that are ungodly. It's not that you got it all right. It's not that you'll get it all right. It's that you give yourself to me. And that's what David did. That's why he had this testimony. It's because David gave himself to the Lord in that way. And in the Impact University, one of the things that we did is we went through the life of Abraham. And over in Romans, uh, it talks about Abraham. And basically it says, Abraham was this man who did not you know, have a lack of faith. Right? That, I'm paraphrasing. But he didn't have a lack of faith. Well, we had just reviewed every scripture <laughs> and that where Abraham failed. And one of the statements was, when a person gets to the place where they finally push this junk or a lack of faith out of their life, God forgets everything that they ever did to get there. All the mess. And I was like, oh man, I took so much hope in that. So the issue of pleasing God is not that you've got everything. It's that you are actively, aggressively going after him and putting down worldliness and sin. That's humility. In other words, it, you're willing for God to shine the light on it. Lord, shine it on all of it as quick as I can. As quick as I can. You're trusting him, right? And here's the issue. The, the more humble in heart you can get, the quicker he can deal with you. You're remember the parable? Man, this is good stuff, Lord. I'm getting a lot of it. Praise God. So uh, you remember the parable about the, the wheat and the tares, right? All right. Uh, so all of y'all come up here real quick and um, glory to God. Let's come right here. Let's just stand up in a line. Stand up in a line right here. Let's start, start right here. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. Good. Stand in a line. All right. So now watch. So let's say that we got wheat and tares. All right. Now I'll pick on certain people. Tear. All right. <laughs> right. All right. So let's just say all wheat and one tear. Right. So tear was uh, the trash. You're not in Jesus name. Glory to God. But let's say that. And so what would happen is uh, he was saying, if I went in there 
He said, Lord, why don't you just resurrect everybody now? Why don't we just get it over with? He said, here's the problem. If I came in there and I removed the tear, he said, it would uproot other people that had feelings about that person. And then I've lost two, right? They're so close. Then I've lost two. Okay. All right. Go back. All right. Go back. So here's the thing, that principle applies in our life as well, because here's the thing. Let's say that our life now, according to this, let's say that uh, we've got um, three issues that are a problem in our life, right? Let's say three issues, one, two, three, right? All of a sudden, uh, we go in and we're like, what? 60% of my life is messed up? And so let's say the Lord goes, up. Oh, let me get this sin out and let me get this sin out and let me get this sin out. And all of a sudden, our body, our life is sitting there going, what happened? That's that's all of my personality. That's all of my that's who I am. You just removed everything, God. And what what does our mind do? A mind that's not set on humility. It starts to implode. It can't handle it. It can't take it. So the Lord, all right, go back. So the Lord can't do that until we are strong enough because he will not allow us to be in a situation that we can't handle. And so the sooner we get our mindset, Lord, shine your light on me and let's get that stuff out. I know that I will be okay. The sooner he can do that. But until then, what he has to do is say, all right, here's what, here's what God's saying. Good part of life. Bad, 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 good. But he's saying, if I take all three of them, they're not, they're going to implode. They don't have the ability. So let me deal with this one right now. All right. Recover, 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 recover. All right. The grace and mercy of God. And then he says, oh, now I can deal with this one and then I can deal with the next one. Right. And that's what he does. But see, all right, go back. But see, if we get humble and we say, Lord, I know I'll be okay, then he can say, let me clean this up as fast as I can and get you on the right track. So humility will fast track us to the heights of God. Humility fast tracks us into promotion of God. It exalts us. That's what it's talking about. Amen. All right, good. Now let's pray. Good teaching. We need humility. Father, we just thank you so much for your humility. Glory to God. Lord, let us see. Shine the light on our mess. Lord, let us know, according to your word, that you won't tempt us. You won't even allow us to be in situations beyond what we're able. Lord, you can shine, shine your light as much as you can on us today. Shine your light on this church, on its leadership, as much as you can today. Shine your light on me, Lord, on me. Shine it on me. You, you pray that for yourself. Shine it on me as much as you can and remove whatever needs to be removed so that we can be fast-tracked into being more productive for you. Your word says that if we will flee youthful lust, we will be a special utensil ready for every good work in God. Lord, let us be that special utensil that's ready for every good work, Lord. Thank you for that word in 2 Timothy 2. 
Thank you, Father. Lord, we submit ourselves to humility. We submit ourselves to this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you that you are removing those deceptions from us. I thank you. We come before you and we ask you, Lord, take them. Take every single one. We don't want them, Lord. We we lay them down at your altar, Jesus. I thank you that that your word says that if we walk in the light, that we're going to walk in, in you. And I thank you that we're going to do that, Lord, that we're not going to walk in our strength and we're not going to walk in, in what we think is our talents and our abilities, but we're going to walk by your ways. We're going to walk in your power and your presence, Lord. I thank you that as pastor was preaching that you were reminding me of Peter. Peter messed up so, so greatly in our eyes. He, he denied you three times when you needed him most. But look at what you did through his life. Look at what you did because he came with humility. He didn't give up. He didn't say, I'm a failure. That's it. I'm done. He came with humility and you used him in amazing ways. So I thank you right now that we would come with that same humility. No matter what we've done, no matter where we failed, no matter what we may have messed up this morning, that we're going to come before you boldly, yet in great humility and say, Lord, use me. Show me those areas that I need to fix. Show me the areas where I'm deceived and I don't understand the truth of your word I thank you that you are going to shine your light into my life in Jesus name I thank you for it Lord thank you Jesus amen father we just praise you father these are the things these are the things that will kickstart our year off on the foundation that we need. These are the things that will move us into position to fast track promotion not just for ourselves but promotion in your kingdom, promotion to wear a different level of glory, promotion to walk in your power, Lord. These are the things, thanksgiving, praise, prayer and fasting, consecration, Lord, uh, the separating the holy and the profane, hungering after you, Lord, being humble before you. These are the foundational elements to set us in the place for our year to be kick-started by the Holy Ghost. Lord, we just receive that right now. We receive a kickstart as we walk in these things, a positioning by you in our lives of the people that are here today that are listening, a kickstart in the kingdom, a kickstart in their families, a kickstart in this church, a kickstart in their area of living, a kickstart in this region to set your will into motion in Jesus' name. Glory to God. So the these words that I just spoke, these are prophetic words about what the Lord wants to do in your life. Grab a hold of them, make them yours. He is kickstarting me. I will be obedient to position myself in these things and we will see the promotion of God. We'll see the glory of God. 
Thank you, Father. Sundelelo, Robobobon, Sabada, Sabada, Dokolo, Nikarakiriko, Hamabro, Robobomash, Debalapotome. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you and we honor you, Lord. Oh, we honor you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for giving us the ability. Thank you, Father, to giving us the ability to partner with you on your things and what you're doing. Lord, we just ask right now, in the name of Jesus, moving towards Kickstart Conference 2018, Lord, let the people that are supposed to be here be here. Lord, let them be here. The ones that are supposed to be here, let them be here in Jesus' name. Father, we praise you for it and we thank you for it, Father. Glory to God. Lord, start softening their hearts right now to receive the invitation and act on it in Jesus' name. Lord, let them be softened right now so that they can receive the seed that you want to plant in them. Let their hearts be ready in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Yeah, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Everybody clear? Yeah. Good, 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 good. Amen. Uh, we talked about Kickstart today. We're having that, that conference will start basically a couple of weeks from now. And um, we're going to be giving away $1,000, paying off $1,000 worth of somebody's bills on that Sunday. And then every night we're going to be giving away things. I think, we'll see, but I think the Lord told me uh, to give away a TV every night, like a 40-something inch TV each night. And yeah, glory to God, it's going to be awesome, right? And um, so anyway, if you want to sow into that, lives are going to be changed for the kingdom of God. You're welcome to sow into that. If you're watching online, there should be a link uh, that you can click on and give. If you're here, you want to give, you can put it in the basket. Father, right now, anything that people give, be it tithes or offerings, Lord, that is a part of their life. We honor that and we honor it. It's not ours, it's yours. It is yours. We honor that, we esteem that, and we humbly thank you for just allowing us to be a part of your plan. And Father, we just ask that right now that as they give out of the liberal, uh, liberal giving nature of their heart, Father, right now, we just ask that it will be pressed down, shaken together and running over back into their lives. Let the seed be multiplied into an exponential harvest in their life. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you all for joining us. We love you. Have a great day. Bye bye.